0: Hello and welcome to the California EdTech Conference podcast, a podcast dedicated to all the amazing conferences for educational technology here in California. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 13 of the California EdTech Conference Podcast. My name is Corey Koble, and I just got back from the Lead 3.0 Symposium. I had the honor of being able to present to a whole bunch of administrators, coaches, and other leaders around the area. Um, I just got done presenting uh, podcasting and video production by students to help the community connections. But I think the best part about the LEED 3.0 Symposium that I went to was the lunchtime keynote by John Ike. I went ahead and recorded it so you can have a listen to his amazing keynote about making change. So here, without further ado, is John Ike and his lunchtime keynote. Um,
1: so uh, I'm, I'm here and I'm super excited to share one of our affiliate leaders and uh, a Q ad- member administrator today. Um, John Ike is just a ball of fun to watch. Um, he, when, he, when he got this, he called me and he said, John, what should I do? What, you, know, is there any, you know the lead three thing, what, what should I do with this? And I go, first thing is, if you have the chance to not present on Friday the 13th, take Thursday the 12th. <laughs> so he's already winning on that piece. Um, but uh, one of my things I'm known for is e- in education is being passionate and excited about teaching and learning and, and, and really being, uh, enjoying the joy of leadership and when I need to get fired up, that's who I look at. John Ike is going to be a real treat for you guys. He's super exciting. He leads Westlake Charter in the Sacramento area, which is going to be also nice to hear from a charter perspective, as I'm a former charter admin as well. And uh, John has an amazing school culture that he's built over the years. They've got tons of innovation. They're looking at furniture. They're looking at lesson design. They're saying, do we need textbooks? He's asking all the right questions. He's gonna drop a ton of serious knowledge on you guys right now. John Ike, on stage. <laughs> Woo! All right. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna do that
2: for like an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Let's dance. <laughs> oh, I got some Dancing in the streets, dancing in Chicago. Oh, this is so exciting! Hey, before I even, wow, before I even get started, don't start the timer yet. Before the keynote begins, I gotta I gotta tell you, I'm like, hashtag, uber honored to be gigging at LEAD 3.0. This place is, this place is something special, right? And we got Q and TCAL and AXA, that's like three great gigs that go great together. They all bubble in one boiling brew, like leadership, technology and innovation all in one day. How was your first session, was it good? Woo! Yeah! Wow, there are, uh, look, th- I'm not gonna lie, like, this is kind of an intimidating room. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, there are some EDU superstars in the house today, man. We got superintendents and principals and toasts and vice-principals all mixed together today, talking uh, three great gigs to go great together. Uh, hey, just a quick, like, um, Just a uh, a quick roll call. Hey, any any vice principals in the house? Any vice, any VPs? Yeah, you got the hardest job. Your job's super important, man. Vice principal, your job is to make the principal look good, right? And you giggle right now, but you're gonna be a principal three years ago. What'd that guy say? Oh yeah, that's important, yeah. Make that principal look good because nobody wants to follow a leader who's not looking good. You make that leader look good. You all do better, right? Hey, are there any Toasters, T-O-S-A? Yeah, Corey Orlando's now the, the Toasters in the house, right? Right? That's a tough gig, right? You uh you lost your lunchroom, huh? Right? You were gigging in the teacher the staff room and you became a toaster, then you walked into the staff room and it got quiet. You're like, oh is it, is it me? Is it the new title? I'll go, I'll go. eat with admin. Oh, y'all don't sit down. Okay, great. Uh, yeah, I'll eat some chicken nuggets in my car, listening to podcasts. What's up, guy Raz? Right. What's up? Check this out with Ryan and Brian. Right. Toast is in the house. Any uh, any district office living on the Death Star personnel? Anybody? Hey, right? Me too. I love Mr. Storm today. Hey, there's nothing bad about living on the deck. That's a highly organized environment, man. Everybody marching in straight rows. And people don't give enough respect to the people of the district office. They think, oh, you guys are just having office parties. Just because I have an office doesn't mean there's a party going on. I've seen more passion, more love, more heart in the district office than anywhere. And you know what? They don't get the love. Those associate suit jobs, those director jobs, the coordinator jobs, those are tough gigs right there because you're, you're far away from the kids, but you still got to pour all the love in, man. Hey, uh... Any superintendents in here? Heavy is the head, the where's the crown, my people? Yes! Oh, Dr. Kelly, oh my goodness, that guy's an awesome star. Um, look, that's a tough gig. We got people here who are superintendent of 150 C school districts, superintendents of 15,000 C school districts. Like, you can't imagine one title that means so many different things as the title superintendent. It means so many things in California. Are there any frontline in the trenches building principals here today? is the E-Ticket, that's the Disneyland ride. That's gotta be this tall to get on the ride. Better buckle up, because we're doing the loop-de-loop. That comes at you from the front, from the back, from the top of the bottom. You wake in the morning, you don't know what's happening. You look at your Google Calendar, meaningless, <laughs> meaningless. People are like, I had an appointment. Yeah, so did 30 other people, but I'm I'm in the quad talking to a kid about a decision, right? <laughs> right? Gosh, right. So, oh, sorry, I forgot. I, Hi, I'm John Ike. <laughs> I totally forgot to get started. Uh, that's my picture right there, I've been drawing that on desks since about the fifth grade, so if you're an administrator and you got one of those, I apologize, I owe you a desk. Um, that's my Twitter handle right there, my little website right there, and I'm fully fired up to rock some some time at lead 3.0, man. My topic today is my favorite topic of all time, It's the topic of change, and I'm gonna unpack the rubber band theory a little bit today, because it's something that means something to me, and I hope it means something to you by the end. Um, just a quick checkup from the neck up. I want you to kind of see where you're at in your life right now. We're all leaders here, and that's what I dig about Lead 3.0, is this is a gathering of leaders from all different shapes and sizes. But I think our number one job in edview leadership is to manage change. I think the pendulum is always swinging in the great state of California, right? I feel like you know change happens to us from the top, it happens through us, through our own passions and inspirations, but we are always managing change. And so I think I'm gonna talk about that today, but we're going to like check up from the neck up. Scale of one to five, how do you feel when you're about to make that change initiative launch. When you get on that stage in front of that staff meeting or with your toasted group or the grade level group and you're like, hey, I know you've all been doing it this way for as long as you've been doing it, but I'm gonna tell you, I think we're gonna do it this way now. How does that make you feel when you're the person that's going to initiate some large scale change? Now, on a scale of one to five, five would be like, you're a five if you're like, oh man, I love me some change, <laughs> I just love it. Sometimes I just change around my sock drawer so in the morning I wake up and go, oh, that's right, it's all different, right? <laughs> Your, your spouse goes out to like Costco and comes back, with, like, what happened to furniture? Right? I just wanted to see what would happen, right? You love change. You manage change for a living. That's a five. A three is like, hey, I love change. It's important. I understand that, you know, the pendulum swings. We gotta move people in the right direction. But listen, you know, I love change, but the truth is I've been burned. <laughs> I've been burned, right? I've, I put myself out there, I followed the great state of California, I got everybody marching in the line, we're all heading in this direction. Three years later, California woke up and said, just kidding, we're using these standards now. And you're like, oh! I've been burned, right? So a uh, scale of one to five, how do you feel when, you, when you're when you managing change? Five is, ooh, you your three is, and then one is like, if you're going to be a one, uh, you, you know, use this finger. This is right. If that's, oh, this one's cool. This one's cool, dude. This is cool. You know what? I'm, you know what? I'm saying? All right. So here's your a scale of one to five. Check it from the neck up. How do you feel when you manage to change? Hold up. Don't throw it up high though. You, you know, don't be like I'm a five because you're here with your admin friends. Like she's really a three. I saw her after the staff meeting. Look, she's been burned. Like so, like, keep it low. I like just to see check like how you feel about change. On three, throw it up one. Two, three, go, how are you feeling? How are you good? Good, thank you for your honesty. Good, this, this finger, this one? Good. Cool. Yeah, yeah, my fours and fives, the gate cluster over here, I love it. We're gonna talk a little about managing, I'm mean, gonna just, that's it, that's all I could do up there. That was a small little posting stamp stage. Um, we're gonna do a little talk about change. Um, the greatest thing that ever happened to me was, uh, I was a, a teacher 15 years ago, um, and uh, my principal came into, the, into my room and said, hey, I think you should be the next vice principal. And I let out that uh, uncomfortable giggle, and went, ah, no thank you, right? And just as things go, right, a year later, I was the vice principal, right? And um, I became that vice principal at that large urban high school. Man, we had things going on at that school, right? A lot of kids, urban setting. Kids over here wearing red kids over here wearing blue. That wasn't the school colors. <laughs> Test scores were low, it was, it was rough. Became the vice principal because it was all about culture, want to make things better, right? My principal was working his tail off, I was trying to make him look good. But about 13 months into the job, October 22nd, my second year as the vice principal, I walk into my principal's office, he's on the floor. He said, call 911. I can only tell you this story because he turned out to be fine. He's fine once he left that job. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, he, he's recovered. He was fine. He went on to be an amazing principal at other schools, but he didn't stay at that school. <laughs> uh, I should have learned. <laughs> that job almost kills people. And I can only tell that joke because a good friend of mine, he's fine. He's healthy. And he, he left. <laughs> and then um, I thought he was going to come back. And so while he was gone, I pretended to be him. Cause it's fun to pretend to do someone else's job, right? It's cool to be like, oh, I'm just filling out, to to staff meeting. Hey, we're gonna talk about some stuff. Oh, the boss, he's coming back. Four months later, he didn't. And the superintendent came to me and said, hey, I, I, uh, I hear you've been running the show. I'm like, I can't believe you haven't been here sooner. Um, I'm just kidding, one of them. I and the superintendent said, hey, uh, would you just like to continue, you wanna you want be the principal? And like in that moment, I went from playing house to being the papa, you know, the school, like the real deal. Oh, that was, I didn't see that coming. Immediately, I was the proud principal of that high school, and the staff meetings became real. And I started looking around at the metrics, and I started looking at all the things that I told you about the low test scores, and the entrenched people, and the frustration of the community. And I, I, I looked around and thought, what, 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 what are you going to do? And I was so lucky to have an amazing mentor. He was like this, he was like the movie, Sage. You know, he would just appear. <laughs> having a rough day. <laughs> ah!
0: <Right>. Dan Kinley <laughs> came rolling into my life, man. He taught me the most important thing about school leadership that I ever learned. And I've
2: spent the last decade and a half trying to perfect it. And that's what I want to talk to you about here today. Dan Kinley told me this. He said, first of all, I get it. I see all the metrics, quit looking down. I was looking at the test scores and the fights on campus and the violence and all the things. He said, look up and look toward your desired state your desired reality. He said, you gotta have a desired reality. I want you to imagine, outside of your current reach, out over there, I want you to imagine what your school could be. I want you to create a desired reality. Create a desired reality that uh, people could buy into. I I wanted to have a school culture where kids felt safe, where teachers liked kids, where teachers liked teachers. I wanted to have a school culture that education was about academics but was equally about social and emotional. I wanted that to be our desired reality. And so he said, hey, there you go. You got a desired state. That's step one. Step two, a little more painful at the time, you gotta understand your current reality. The checkup from the neck up. Really look at who you are today, juxtaposed to where you wanna be. He says, if you know where you wanna go, if that's your guiding light, if that's your, your guiding star right there, and you know where you are, that's step two. All you're armed with is a rubber band, right? I said, I have no idea what you mean by that. He said, I'll explain. He said, leadership management, change management, leading change is like a rubber band itself. You got to stretch it in the direction of the change you want to make, it, and then when you feel the tension, you know it's working, right? And you know that's true. If you lead change and you feel the tension, you know the change is happening. Leading change. It's like a rubber band itself. When you feel the tension, you know what's working. I said, Dan, what, what, coach me through this, brother. He said, look, if you have a, if you have a, a desired state, a place that you want to go, a place that you want to be, and you understand your current reality, all you can do is stretch your school in the direction of that desired state, and you can always stretch it so far. You know you can't stretch all one stretch, get there too far, too fast, you'll snap the rubber bands, people hurt their hands, they go like, you know what, I got a filing cabinet full of worksheets, I'm gonna go back to doing that. It worked last year, it's gonna work again this year. Like, You can't make change happen to people too fast. You can only stretch that rubber until you feel the tension just right and then you hold on. The whole idea with the rubber band theory is stretch as far as you can then just hold on. Then celebrate your people, coach your people, tell your people you're doing great, try it again. Did you try it once, try it twice, try it twice, try it 28 times. Try one protocol, one procedure, one one new thing. Try something new and help people learn that one new thing before moving on to anything else. Hold that rubber band right there because eventually what will happen is whatever you're trying will become habit and eventually that rubber band will give. And once it gives, what do you do as a leader? Next thing you, whoop! Whoa. Just keep We got, we get, Right? And eventually, you'll end up in a place you never imagined you could be. You'll end up over your desired state, over iterations of stretching that rubber band one at a time. Now, we know that your school is not just one rubber band. It's every single person on campus has their own rubber band. Every single person on campus has their own ability to, to, to learn and to stretch and to grow. And you know that you got people on campus, some of them got that big, crazy rubber band. Fresh teacher out of credential school, they're like, where are we going? No problem. Two steps, I'll be there, right? But some of us have teachers on campus that are, you know, kind of like me, got a little gray hair, they've been around for a little while, they rubber bands is different size. They got like, um, remember those rubber bands you had on your braces? <laughs> they're like, oh, that's it, that's all like a stretch, that's it, no, that's it right there, that's all, and that's fine, just hold on, hold on, you go. oh, we got, oh, it's working, it's working, right, right? So, I learned the rubber band theory. I went back to my school. I gave me a speech. I said, Hey, everybody, current reality, desired state, stretch rubber band. My staff was like, Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Oh, man, it made a lot of sense. At the district office was talking to Dan Kindley, man. Um, so, what I realized over the last 15 years is the analogy is real. That managing school change is all about stretching the rubber band the direction of your desired state. But the thing is, you can't stretch somebody's rubber band for them. All we can do as leaders is we can establish The culture that makes them want to stretch that rubber band themselves and so that's what i want to talk about today is how do we build a rubber band culture on our campus now what i did was i went into my into my into my uh, office after talking to john caribble and said oh john i'm gonna talk about stretching the rubber band um and i said how will i organize all this material And i'll do what all educators do i'll create an acronym or an acrostic or whatever it's called i should look that up so i've got seven Point, bullet point uh, presentation for you today that spells out the word stretch. These are all the little edu nuggets that are that collected over the last 15 years that help establish a culture on campus that inspires people, that motivates people to stretch their own rubber band. I'm going to say, are you with me? If you are, you say yes. Are you with me? Yes. Let's do some stuff here. Hey. You're all accomplished leaders. If I'm throwing out a nugget that you already use, just feel affirmed that somebody else has used it. But of course, if it's something new and you want to grab it, reach out to me on the Twitters and let's jam on it together. Um, the first piece is this: If you're going to manage change on your campus, if you're going to if you're going to if you're going to move people in the direction of desired state, you got to put a spotlight on change. Nice. The golden clicker, John Carippo. <laughs> hey. You got to put a spotlight on change. What that means is we are change agents. You have to stand in front of your teaching staff and say, staff, we change people for a living. Change is what we do. Learning is change. We got kindergartners. We change them into readers. We got reluctant learners. We turn them into lifelong learners. What we do is change people for a living. So we're change agents. So don't hide the change. Don't pretend we're just making a little tweak here. We're not. We're managing change. Every year when we start the school year, we're like, what's the desired state? Where are we going? Be transparent about change. Now here's the deal. I stole this next slide from a cat named uh, Steve Rieger. He's out of Southern California. I don't know if he's here today, but the guy's an uber genius. And when I was a brand new principal, he gave me this slide. It made a ton of sense. This is a technique to help manage change. It's called the change matrix. And what it is is if you do all the things that are on the top row, you will get to change. But if you miss out on some stuff, you get some things you don't want. So, if you have trust, if your people trust the change that you're trying to make, if people trust the change agent, they will get on board with the change. If people understand the vision, I mean, really understand what we're trying to accomplish, if they've been a part of building that collective vision, then they're going to get on board. If people have the skills.
0: Hey, we got to talk about
2: skills. Have you ever rolled a Chromebook cart into a 25 year veteran's classroom and be like, hey, go ahead and use those Chromebooks, make some learning happen, huh? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh-uh. Crocodile tears. Oh, you're, Oh. my fault didn't give you the skills first. If you have skills and resources and the payoff is understood, why are we doing this again? If they understand the payoff and if the team has an action plan, it results in change. But you're missing just one thing. If you're missing the trust, and you might not even need to trust about you and the change agent, what if I don't trust that the Chromebooks are good learning devices because spiral notebooks have always worked for me? If I don't trust that your change is a good change, it leads to Sabotage. Now I'm not saying like outright before theater sabotage. I'm talking about like, like hey, somebody goes, oh, is that the change we're making? Cool, I don't trust that's a good change and I've been through uh, three principles in eight years and I'll outlast you, so um, you go ahead and make your change. I'm just gonna stay on the sideline. True statement, no, just me? Just me, okay, cool, cool, um, right? If people don't have the trust, it could lead to sabotage. If people don't understand the vision, it leads to confusion. If people don't have the skills, It leads to anxiety. That 25-year veteran teacher you rolled the Chromebooks in, don't give him or her the skills they need to manage those Chromebooks. They know what those Chromebooks can do, but they can't make them do it. You will have crocodile tears in the staff room. That's a real statement right there. Um, If you don't give people the appropriate resources, it leads to anger. How about this resource? What's the number one resource in education we always run out of? Time. Right? You put on a professional development day. Oh, we're running a little overtime. Okay, well, we'll just cut off that last 15 minutes. That was the 15 minutes they were supposed to meet with their partners and make sure they all understood what the vision was so they could implement on day three. You get out to day three, you try to hold them accountable to a change that you didn't give them the time to get ready for. Does that lead to anger? Well it does in my place, I'll tell you that, right? That's real. Here's what I would have to do. If you're an administrator, a TOSA, a leader at all, go back to your team on Monday morning, take this change matrix, turn it into a workshop with your team. Just sit down and go, okay guys, we're about to do this one thing. Who's not gonna trust this one thing? Oh yeah, you're right, she's not. Let's go talk to her. How will we broadcast the vision to make sure it's clear to everybody? Where will we put the vision? How will we craft the vision? How will we make sure that we're understood, right? Go back and do a whole workshop. What skills are necessary to make this change? If you and your team use the Change Matrix as a workshop opportunity to prepare for change, you will facilitate change in the desired direction much more easily. Uh, Say yes if you want to try that one time next week. Yes. Both of you. Good. All You call me. Call both of you guys, you two call me. The gate cluster and the guy over there. Good. Good. Go try the change matrix. I think that putting a spotlight on change is truly one of the easiest uh, ways to tell our staff, hey, I put that change matrix up in front of my staff. I say, hey, everybody, this is what I'm planning to do for a living. You're going to be a part of it. Just a month ago, there was some confusion around an initiative that I was launching at Westlake. And I came out to a staff meeting, and I said, hey, can I interrupt? Do you guys remember the change matrix? I put it up, and it was like, yeah, I remember that, John, you're talking about all the time, right? I said, hey, this one initiative we're doing, you guys, it seems to be some confusion. I think I didn't sell the vision well enough. There seems to be some clarity needed, and everybody was like, oh, this is your fault? And I was like, yeah. I said, do you mind if I explained again? They were like, we're all in. If it's your fault and you wanna broadcast that you it was great because everybody had the language, they do the change makers. Put that in front of your admin team and then go put that in front of your staff. The next piece is Team talk. Now, everybody's read The Five dysfunction of Team and all the amazing books that are about building teams. But here's what we do in education. We put adults together, and we call them a team, right? Oh, we're the admin team, and you're the first grade team, and then the IA team, we got a parent team. Those aren't teams. We're just groups of adults. And we think by putting groups of adults together that they're a team. They're not a team. A team has a goal in mind. They're trying to win a game. They're trying to kick more goals than the other team. And they work together. They practice on what we're trying to achieve. But when we put adults together, we're like, you're a team. No, we're not. We're a group of people that would like to get away from each other as soon as you let us, right? <laughs> so if you're gonna put people in teams and you're gonna try and have teams manage in the desired direction, then you have got to teach how to team talk. Now there's lots of steps to developing teams, but I think communication is the number one. I think you start with communication, that is a, that's a hot spot to, tar- you, to start because you want your people to be able to talk to one another. And one of the best tools I've learned to use that is, is one of those uh, personality profile tools. Now you, you may have used the Myers-Briggs, you used Myers-Briggs? That's a lot of letters, I don't know. A, you're an A, B, C, D, right? Uh, uh, they, they got, the, they got the, uh, the True Colors. There's the Harry Potter Sorting House. you guys use that? What's oh, a Hufflepuff. I, are you like? So the one I use is called the Herman Brain Dominance Institute. Why I love this is because you could do it in front of your staff in 15 minutes and teach your staff to talk to each other better. And I'm gonna uh, riff on it right now. I'm gonna put you through this uh, uh, personality profile. Now, first of all, there's no good and there's no bad, there's no right and there's no wrong. We need everybody in education from all the categories. But what I'm gonna have you do is this. Hey, Freeze, when you do this with your staff, have them pick seven phrases and say, okay, narrow it down to five. You'll see why in a minute. But for you people, today, because you're the gate cluster, I want you to pick one phrase. Look up at that screen, and when you're about to launch some change, how would somebody describe you? You're rolling out a quarter of a million dollars with Chromebooks, and they're gonna look at you, and they're gonna go, hey that person really analyzes, they really quantify, they really think about money a lot, or, hey, that person right there is organized, they're neat, they're timely, right? Or they're gonna go, hey, that person right there is experimental, that person's a rule breaker, that person's an innovator, right? Or they're gonna look at you and say, hey, that person right there is really sensitive to the feelings of others. Which of those single phrases is you? I will give you 15 seconds. No pressure. Can you, is that, was that out loud? Sorry. In five, four, three, two, and threes. At that point, everyone has selected which of these phrases belong to them and then you break those uh, columns up into four quadrants. And you tell people, look people, you are gonna have a dominant trait. If you're picking five of these traits, you probably have three in one place and three in another place, or three and two, or a one, 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 two. But for Dave, you just picked one. You're either a color blue, a color green, a color red, or a color yellow. Now, the reason I use colors is because at our school, it's become kind of like a very fun thing, like, oh, that's right, you're a red. I'll approach you this way. Oh, you're a green? Can you help me with this one thing? Right? It's become a verb at our school, like, hey, will you green this up for me? So I'm going to have you figure out which color you are based on that chart. I'm going to have you yell it out on three. Which one did you fall into? One, two, three. Perfect. I have no idea what you said. reason this is so important is because, first of all, people in the organization love to learn about themselves, right? It's our favorite topic. So all of a sudden, people are like, oh, cool, which am I? And then you jump to this slide and go, hey, friends, there are four selves per the Herman Brain Dominance Institute. There is the rational self, the safekeeping self, the feeling self, and there is the experimental self. Now I'm going to walk through a couple of them real quick. Check it out. The rational self. This person analyzes, they quantify, they know about money, they love numbers. If you want to explain something to that cat right there, you better bring a flow chart. You better have a spreadsheet. You're like, hey, the sky's blue, and they're like, yeah, prove it, right? You got to bring the meteorological report to that person so they understand what it is you're talking about. That person is the rational self, and we need them in our organization. But imagine if they were in a conversation with the red down here, the feeling self. This is that person who makes a lot of eye contact. Probably touches your elbow, nods a lot. This person's sensitive to feelings and they are moved to make change when you tell them the story. Don't give them data. Tell them about Lucy. I'll do anything. What do you need me to do for Lucy, right? The problem is you got red and blue in a collaborative meeting together trying to decide what to do. The blues present the data. The red wants to hear the social story. The red thinks the blue's the jerk. The blue thinks the red's a softy. Nothing ever gets done until, until you tell them this and they go, oh, you're not a jerk. You're a blue. And that blue is good. It's okay to be blue! As long as you understand that I'm red. Right, they're the other people you have on the team here, you got, you got Green over here, the safekeeping team. Look, those people are the people you want on your team. If you're planning a field trip, that's your gal right there, right? They plan, they make lists. They love check, they love check boxes. They love them. They make a list that says, make a list. Check, <laughs> Follow the list. Oh, this is good! Right? This is the person who's sitting in the staff meeting 14 minutes and they're like, there's no agenda. I haven't heard a word you've said so far. Right? You know, but that's the person you want planning the field trip. Right? But... That's super awkward. Okay, we'll just turn that off. I guess the time went off. Um, <laughs> Put this over here and case that up. Yeah. Yeah. was I talking about, the yellow? <laughs> the experimental self is the big vision guy, right? He's the, so this is the gal that's like always up in the clouds, thinking about how things make connections. They never want to write anything down. They're the rule breaker. They don't even like an agenda because they like things to wiggle. They don't like things to go in straight rows. Put that person in a room with that person. Boom, until they seek first to understand and you train your staff during this personality profile thing, then we need everybody to make our schools great. We need all four personality types and all four communication styles in every team. And if you don't have the green in you, go get some. And if you're not yellow, try. And that we seek first to understand, when I recognize you're blue, I say, hey, I get it. You need the data, but I'm a red. Can we at least talk about the kids as it applies to the data? And those conversations become real in an organization. The other thing is, I'm gonna challenge you guys on this. You're all leaders. When you make a group presentation next week at the staff meeting, here's my challenge to you. Speak in all four colors. I want you to take your next initiative, get ready, and say, um, hello, staff. Um, you may or may not be aware, but our school is, um, 32% English language learners. And uh, our English language learners have a 16% more likely uh, uh, success rate of graduating from our school when we have um, intervention that's uh, from our MTSS program uh, in the classroom. So um, don't worry, the initiative we're launching is clearly organized. We've uh, created an agenda. We have the agenda here for you. On the back of the agenda, it says the types of interventions that are going to be pushed in. And the schedule tells you when the TOSA is going to come to your classroom and provide the uh, push in So, Now here's the thing. Do you all know
0: Lucy?
2: (laughs) Do you all know Lucy? Lucy came to our country with just her brother! She is struggling through our school, and when I say struggling, I mean she's struggling, and she needs this program to be successful. Now here's the thing, when I say successful, I mean college and career success, because you know our mission statement is to make all of our students college and career ready. And imagine if we did all these types of programs, and they were able to weave together a program that made all of our kids, right? Talking all four colors. And everyone's gonna walk out of the staff meeting and be like, oh my gosh, they were talking to me. I got what I needed. Now, it's just a game between me and you, so you can tweet at me later if you do it. And if it worked, great. And if it didn't, don't, don't tweet at me. Um, but your, your staff won't know you're talking in four colors, right, but it's a great gag to play. We're an hour in and we're just at two bullet points. It's going well. <laughs> What that dude say about the escape bus? You're like, this is like a skept- escape keynote. <laughs> I'm not gonna get out of here on time. I'll pick up the pace. Hey, if you put a spotlight on change and you really teach people to talk as a team, the next piece for me is reaching just beyond. And that's the physical manifestation of the rubber band itself. If you want a rubber band culture, you can't stretch people too far, too fast. They'll snap their rubber band and they won't come back for seconds. So you got to be able to find a way to get people to stretch just beyond themselves. That's an actual physical thing, but it's also about like setting short-term goals. You know, you're know, you not going to get to the end goal overnight. It's an iterative process. It's a lot of hard work on your way to the goal. So when you're going to go celebrate people and recognize people and acknowledge people. People, don't give them a celebration for the final stretch. Give them a celebration for the first stretch. If someone's if the little grace in front of a granddad goes like this, you're like, Woo! Keep it up! Don't wait for that person to get over here. And the truth is, like, it doesn't always work on the first try. So if they go, ah, oh, that didn't work, I'm done. You're like, oh, I gave you a celebration for trying. So try again. So we're gonna teach our staff to reach just beyond. One of the cool uh, uh, things about this is that celebration of success is the number one mover of collective efficacy, right? Collective efficacy is the the belief that uh, by a group of people that they can achieve that which they set out to do, right? We all set out to do something together and whether or not we believe we can accomplish that is the number one determiner of whether or not we'll accomplish it. If all of us in this room were like, we're gonna bust down that wall, we could do it if we all thought we could, but if we weren't sure, we just bump into the wall and hurt our shoulder. Like, ah, I didn't think we could do that, right? We wanna build collective efficacy and the way we do that is get people to make that first stretch. Don't wait for the last stretch. And so one great model for that is the SAMR model. Everybody familiar with SAMR? Substitution, augmentation, modification, and redefinition. The idea is that, for example, anytime you introduce a new technology, a new pedagogy, a new process, a new protocol, that you that you could start at the substitution level. The Chromebook example, I'm gonna roll a cart of Chromebooks into a classroom. I recognize that those Chromebooks could redefine the way the classroom looks. The kids could be blogging online with professional authors and jamming back and forth. They could be video conferencing with the President of the United States. That's total redefinition. If I roll the Chromebook in with those expectations, that teacher should be like, I'm good. That's too far, too fast. That's reaching my rubber band too far. So we say, hey, it is not just a suggestion that we start with substitution, it's mandatory. When you try something new, you're just gonna substitute. Hey, I know that you used to have kids write in the spiral notebook on the journal prompt on the board. Well, now you're just gonna have them type into a Google doc. It's a direct substitution with just a new tool. If you can get that person to go, well, they're just gonna do that, that's all? Well, I can do that, yeah. Substitution is the gateway drug to redefinition, (laughs) right? Gotcha right you're willing to try just a direct substitute we got you and then you celebrate them and you tell everybody do you see what mr jones did he tried the chromebooks right because you started with substitution because you said hey you used to write in a journal and now you just type in a google doc but before too long mr jones realizes oh we can share these google docs and kids can make comments on each other's things that's that's good peer editing i got you. You're heading to augmentation. You did it on yourself. I didn't ask you. You stretched rubber band by yourself and out there feeling pretty good. Then they realize those Google Docs are really just web pages that you post on the internet and the parents can see their work. That's modification. Before too long, this tool we recognize can do things that were previously inconceivable with the old tool, and that is redefinition. But the thing is, no one's going to stretch to redefinition. You want to get them on substitution. Start off with a substitution. What you used to do, and what you could do, and once they make that stretch, you celebrate them, and when you celebrate them loud enough, the whole network goes, hey man, why'd he get celebrated? And collective efficacy starts, we, we can do that? That would work? I'll try it too. The jam looks like this. Spotlight on Change, Team Talk, uh, Reach Just Beyond. This is my favorite gig right here. It's everything open. I'm gonna show you some slides from my own school, Westlake Charter School in Sacramento, California. What, just the most amazing place. I work with the most amazing people. I work with my wife. She's sitting right over there. Hi, Mrs. Ike. Um, uh, sorry, I, t- I said I wouldn't do that. Oh, don't look, don't look, don't look. Um, <laughs> Look, transparency is the number one bucket filler on the change matrix. When you look at trust, and you look at understanding the vision, and you look at understanding skills and resources, Transparency fills all those buckets. So if you're looking to head toward a desired state, you work hard to make transparency within your organization. And since technology and innovation are a part of leadership today at Lead3, I'm gonna show you a little tech tool that I think you could steal and go do back at your own school. And it looks like this. Here is like a little internal intranet website that we have at Westlake Charter. And you can see that little button right there just says staff meeting notes, right? So anybody in the organization can click on that at any time because it's just a website that's open to our staff and you get to the Google Doc. Why don't we use a Word doc attached to an email or a PDF for our staff meeting agenda? We use the Google Doc because then it's always there. You can scroll down from there and see last month's meeting. You can scroll down and see two years ago. You can scroll down and see three years ago. And that creates transparency. If we say we're going to do it, we're going to write it on the agenda. And then you can scroll down and be like, oh, wow. They did what they said they were gonna do. The Google Doc creates transparency. Uh, we also have right here one of my favorite bits on the website, and it is our collaboration page. Imagine a place where you work, where there was a page like this, where every single collaborative team, kindergarten through eighth grade, specialties and, and single subjects, all had a little Google Doc linked on a page right there, and anybody in the organizations can say, "Hey, I wonder what kindergarten's doing in collaboration today," and then click on the kindergarten page, and there's their page right there, and they're taking notes during their collaborative. So first grade can see what kindergarten's doing, second grade make see what fifth grade is doing. Everybody's seeing transparently what kind of work is happening in the organization. Now, if you've ever been a building principal who tried to visit all the collaborative meetings, you walk in, you all good? You're good? Okay, are okay, okay, cool. And then go back to putting their feet up, right? Like, uh, here the principal could be everywhere ubiquitously because the principal, uh, can be looking at the Google docs while the people are working. They can use the comment feature, The teams can use the comment feature and the principal gets the comment and can respond to it right there. I just gotta show you something I love. This is the kindergarten team. They put their Herman Brain colors. Jessica's a green, right? Amy's a red. Amy, this one's a yellow, red, green, but she's gonna have my job next week. She like do it all. Transparency creates trust and inspires others to stretch their rubber band because they go, oh, if kindergarten's doing it, we can do that too. We can all see what everybody else is doing in the organization. All those drop-down menus right there. Every leadership team, every tech team, every uh, every board meeting, all the minutes are kept in this website. You are not left out of any conversation at this school because everything is transparent. All of our professional development is housed on there. If you're new to our school, you can go back two years, three years, and see what our professional development looks like so you get on page with our vision. Onboarding people's tough, right? This helps with that. Um, Look at all the drop-down resources for our universal design, right? All your gate, all your EL, all your special education, all the MTSS pieces are all one place. And, of course, my favorite piece is the memos, You drop-down for the memos. Memos are just protocols and procedures. How do we line up in the morning? How do we go to back to school night? The cool thing about this is it's really just a bunch of Google Docs, right? And when you click on the Google Doc, what do you get? You get a Google Doc with some protocols and procedures. My favorite part is share that with comment rights. Every single person in the organization now has shared ownership of keeping the memo system up to date. So everybody reads the memo, goes, hey, this part's a little unclear. And they leave a little note, hey, can you clarify? That means that if you read the memo and you don't understand something, you have a shared obligation to say, I don't understand something. If you see a typo, if you see something on the memo system that's outdated, it's your obligation to click and say, that's outdated. It's a transparent way for all of us to work together on all the protocols and procedures. And why would I go to this website? because it's got a weekly blog component where we, of course, talk about all the announcements and the upcoming dates, but most importantly, we celebrate what people are doing. Every week, you're celebrating your people right there on the blog post, and the people come for the celebrations, and they stay for the information. Look, this is a multiple iteration step toward transparency, and you can start with just one thing, using the Google Doc, or two things, have an internal site. If you would like to try that at your school, say, I would. I'm hoping you do. I know some of you do, because I stole some good stuff from some of you. Um, Everything open, and time is all we have. I'm gonna run out of time, so I better hurry up. Time is all we have. I got a great bit on this about team time and collaborative time, but the most important uh, thing for me today is this. We are the leaders in this room. Time is all we have, and we need to learn to play the long game. If you are gonna try and create an initiative that makes change at your school and stretch people in that direction, if you don't have three years to give to it, don't do it. Leadership change at a school is more disruptive than anything else. You take a TOSA out of her TOSA role and you got 13 teachers who just went the elevator go down in their stomach, who's gonna support us? You take a principal out of the principal seat and the entire community, parents and students at dinner tables going, Mrs. So-and-so left? Leadership change is disruptive. So if you're launching a large scale change, I would tell you, you gotta play the long game. You gotta give it at least three years. And if you're gonna be moving on, which hey, you're, uh, you're right to do, you better be developing a good second in command. Who knows what that change is looking like. Cause you don't want to get three iterations out here and then leave and everybody goes <laughs> cause you don't get to do that more than once. Agreed, say agree. Agreed. Yeah, right. Everybody's like, well, re- re- take my application back. I'm not leaving now. It's my favorite piece coming up here, and it's celebrate the mission. I believe that you'll create collective efficacy if you celebrate people the way that they want to be celebrated. And I'm gonna tell you what, Mrs. Jones may be doing something that moves the mission, that heads us toward our desired state, and you're gonna celebrate Mrs. Jones because she's she's moving toward the mission. But Mr. Rodriguez might be doing something awesome. Be careful. Don't just celebrate awesome. If you do, do it quietly. You're awesome. You wanna celebrate loudly the people that are moving in the direction of the mission because if you celebrate both, people will get confused about the vision. What do they they want us to do? They want us to do this or they want us to do that? Does everyone have to do that to be part of this, right? So I'm gonna tell you something I learned in the last 15 years about celebration that blew my mind. First of all, that we celebrate that which we wish to perpetuate. Celebrate that which you wish to perpetuate. If you want people stretching the rubber band, then you celebrate every time someone even stretches. Whether they accomplish anything or not, doesn't matter. Just the stretch is enough. The second piece is this. Not everybody likes to be celebrated the same way, everybody. I used to think I'd get in front of the staff meeting, I'd be like, everyone, look at Mrs. Smith, she's awesome! And Mrs. Smith would be like, I hate you. This is not a celebration, this is a painful torture. I don't want to be looked at, right? I thought everybody was an extrovert who loved the microphone and wanted to be out loud. It's not true. Not everybody wants to be celebrated the same way. And for a long time, I was just shouting people out and that Emily Batten, the principal of Westlake Church. She said, hey John, why don't we just ask them how they want to be celebrated? right? My jaw hit the floor. We do this little form every, every, every year. We're like, what's your favorite salty s- sweet? What's your favorite um, sweet snack? What's your favorite uh, Starbucks drink? What's your t-shirt size? If we want to appreciate you and celebrate you, we might want to give you something that makes you feel appreciated and celebrated. So we uh, collect a lot. But then uh, Mrs. Batten said, why don't we just ask them how they want to be celebrated? And it blew, like, <laughs> a sign language for mind blown. <laughs> People told us Hey, do you want to be tweeting? You want us to tweet about you? Do you want a one-on-one conversation? Do you want me to write you a little thank you note? Do you want a shout out in the staff meeting? When you celebrate someone for stretching the rubber band in the way that they want to be celebrated, oh my gosh, they're like, you remember? No, I have a spreadsheet. <laughs> like, I don't remember. What's your name? I know how you like, like <laughs> I don't remember anything. But I got it all written down. I tell you what, if you steal nothing else today, steal that nugget right there. It is powerful when you ask people, hey, in case you do something good this year.
0: <laughs>
2: hey, well, how would you like me celebrate, right? The other thing is we're all administrators. We're always out there doing walkthroughs and measuring people's data, measuring your own data, measuring what matters. We spent a whole year last year we made a, the staff names over here. And over here, we wrote down every time we celebrated one of our staff. We wrote down, hey, I went to that person's room. I gave that person a post note. I shouted that person out in the celebration in the Westlake Weekly. You know what we found out? Well, no wonder Mrs. Smith's so mad. <laughs> no one ever recognized how hard she's working. Like, she's working hard. And we, we had a blind spot, man. And that was important data. I would suggest you go back and do this for just one or two months with your team, and you'll find your blind spot. And be like, well, no wonder they're so angry. Right? That was a cool bit right there. The next piece is this write it down. The shout out's great, but you can't pin it to the corkboard. Right? The staff celebration out loud is great, but you can't take it home and show it to your spouse. I walked into a teacher's classroom. They had a posting note up next to their phone. It said something about like great transitions. And I had drawn my little picture on it. And I said, oh my gosh, Janet, you left that. You kept that post note I gave you. It's like three years ago. She said, I love It, it just makes me feel good on bad days. I was like, that's good. I felt so good. Oh my god. That's the last time I wrote down something good about you three years ago. <laughs> I'm doing a terrible job. Right? This one, we should have had a wall full of poetry notes from me. And I realized at that moment that like if you write it down, you create an artifact of appreciation that you're like, hey, take this with you. I appreciate you, right? Give a little, give a little thank you card. Give a little note from the desk of, have you ever, go, go do this next week. Take 15 minutes. Have you ever written a letter of commendation and put it in someone's personnel file without being asked? You just go, hey. Uh, Mrs. Smith, great job on the talent show. I mean, it's really moving our school in the direction of creating a a positive school culture where kids are celebrated for their talents. I wrote you a letter of commendation and I put a copy in your personnel file. So if I'm ever gone, the next person will know how awesome you are. She might die right there. uh, Right? Go do that and tweet at me. I'm telling you what, it'll change your life. People will go home and tell their spouse, Do you know what happened today? Right? And that person next week should be like, Oh, this is so hard. I'm going for it. You want to build a rubber band culture? You got to celebrate your people and I would suggest you write it down. Hey, last bit that I'm walking off the stage and here it comes. If you put a spotlight on change, you're rocking the team talk and you're reaching just beyond everything's open and you got the time is all we have bit down and you're celebrating the mission. The last piece is this honor every voice. Everyone deserves a spot at the table. You may have a leadership team and they're the leaders for whatever reason, they're the leaders that have to be the leaders. But when you have your leadership team meeting, <laughs> That's an open door. Everyone's allowed to come to our leadership meeting uh, and be in that meeting right there and see what's going on. And the notes are always open. Honor every voice. Get good at using uh, Google Forms and Survey Monkey. Invite everyone to be part of every decision. Collecting and crowdsourcing everyone's opinion and honor every voice. Here's the thing about making change. You don't have to take every opinion, but every opinion should be heard someone's gonna say hey here's my great idea we're like hey thank you for your great idea that's not the idea we're going with but that person's like well at least they listened there is great research behind this allowing people to speak their truth even if it isn't the truth that becomes the reality gets them at the table and on the bus the way you ask people for their opinion matters I stole this idea from John Kripple last year at Lead 3 and it changed my world. John Cripple says the way you ask a question matters. Imagine you walk into a beautiful steakhouse, you sit down and you order a nice steak. The waiter comes over after you've eaten the steak and goes, hey, how's the steak? I'll probably say, mm-hmm, it's good. That's a normal exchange in a restaurant. The waiter comes over instead and says, hey, We're trying to be the best steakhouse in America. What suggestions do you have to make this a better steak? I'd probably say, "Hmm, it was a little salty, right? I've just given a piece of formative feedback to that chef that may be a little painful to hear, but it's going to make that chef make a better steak next time. The same thing is true for our schools. We have to ask our parents, ask our students, ask our staff, hey, how can we make this better? How can we improve? Be honest. And as leaders, it'll be a little painful to hear sometimes people's honest opinion, but I would way rather hear how people think we can improve than them just to say it in the staff room and get quiet when I walk in. So ask your parents, ask your students, and ask your staff, what can we do to make this the greatest school in America? I started that little hashtag right there today. I don't think anyone's used it ever in the history of hashtags. It's StretchEDU. If you've got something today that is uh, bubbling in your brain about making a change, and you think you could use any of those concepts, you go ahead and hit up StretchEDU, and I'll respond back to you. Maybe we could jam together on some of these topics. What I hope for you is this, you guys. I hope you're at LEAD 3.0 today, and that you go out to some sessions put on by some amazing people. And I hope those sessions start bubbling ideas in your brain. And those ideas start to make you think about a possible desire state, and that you then say, I'm going to manage the change in that direction, and I'm going to go back to my school and create a rubber band culture and get all my staff, my students, my parents, and my admin team to stretch in the direction of change. Thank you, everybody. My name is John Ike.
0: I hope you have a fantastic lead 3.0.
1: Thank you so much. Just give him another great big round of applause. Very, very and, and I'm curious if you, um, how many cups of coffee you had before yeah, getting up there? Thank you. Free I a bad
2: idea.
0: Well, I hope you enjoyed that uh, amazing keynote. And I will be back again next week with some more information about the California EdTech Conference schedule. Have a great day, everyone.